BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the Buffalo Blitz right here on the Built on Buffalo Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter network. I am Peter. He is Lance. And you guys are listening to the pre-recorded version of the Buffalo Blitz on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it will come out Wednesday morning. But make sure you drop a review. Make sure you subscribe. And Lance, how are we doing, my man? Well, doing well. And those mafia, how you doing out there? So it's a little different. We usually do our live shows on Tuesday. but me, I'm going away for a couple of days. So Lance was kind enough to do a pre-recorded show because Lance is a great guy and he does that for us. So you can always drop a comment, drop your thoughts. Obviously, Lance and I will go back. We'll look at it. We'll probably respond to a couple if we can. And yeah, we're going to be breaking down camp. It's going to be one of those loose episodes where, because it's been about a week since we've seen you guys, camp's been going, it's been going strong. Lance was there on Friday at camp. So he'll, he'll give some of his uh, point of view when he was at camp, uh, Tell us what he saw. And yeah, we'll break down a little bit of camp for about an hour. And yeah, if you missed this episode on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, you can always listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And we are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Lance, tell everyone about our sponsorship. Yeah, Underdog Fantasy is an app, or you can go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code BLITZ when you sign up to get a deposit match from $10 to $100. If you wish to get into best ball mania the largest fantasy football contest ever go ahead and do so you could use the promo code blitz deposit 13 bucks you'll get a 13 dollar match and then you can have a 25 dollar entry to have a chance to win uh millions and millions of dollars three million in first place 15 million uh total prizes lance what would you do with three million dollars inappropriate things oh my goodness there's no one okay everyone that's under the age of 18 you're listening click away glances inappropriate no i'm joking <laughs> uh this is a friendly uh tv i was gonna say tv show but fr- friendly podcast friendly show but we got a lot to talk about training camp is when you guys will be seeing this day six will be completed we're recording this uh after day five so about a week of training camp pads are on physicality is back football is in the air 
But Lance, we're going to start with the middle linebacker competition, right? So last week, I brought up my bold prediction that Dorian Williams would start a middle linebacker. I was completely wrong, and I'm going to be wrong because it doesn't look like they've given him a legit shot at middle linebacker. It's between Tyrell Dodson, who's seen time at middle linebacker with the ones, Terrell Bernard, who on Monday saw time with the ones at middle linebacker, and former seventh-round pick from last year's draft, Balin Spector, who also saw time with the ones, Lance what do you make of this middle linebacker race right now? Yeah, I'm kind of ticked off at this. Like, it's kind <laughs> of like, you know, deliberately destroying my trust in the process because, like, they said all this stuff about drafting Dorian Williams and the third round, same point they drafted Terrell Bernard last year. Mm-hmm. So now you have two third-round linebacker picks who are best suited to back up your best linebacker, who's Matt Milano as the wide guy, you have no true stud in the middle and you're relying on a man like Trell Dodson or maybe Trell Bernard, as we said, getting the first team reps today. Yeah. But it's a lot of unknown. And I guess we have to see how Bernard can fit those holes and how he can kind of play in a physical role as a middle linebacker. When you think of middle linebackers, for me, the first name that comes to mind is Ray Lewis, right? And then you have Brian Erlackers and things like that. And, you know, I, I think, Everyone saw kind of me get physically upset as Jack Campbell comes off the board, as we miss out on now Trenton Simpson. It's like these guys would have fit so perfectly what we needed, and we just didn't get – they didn't get to us where we would have drafted them. And it is what it is. You can't have – that. that's why the draft is uh, an, an unknown process because people will take the guy that fits your scheme before you get the pick. That's the whole point of the NFL is to get the best players on each team, right? So – <clears throat> the Bills, unfortunately, don't have a, a good or a, a standout. They've got three guys that they're going to let go through the preseason at a competition at middle linebacker. They haven't signed anybody in free agency. They've signed defensive ends and wide receivers in free agency, but they haven't signed any linebackers. So for me, it's just a little bit of a head scratcher on what are we doing here at the middle linebacker? And it remains to be seen what the final answer is going to be on that. But ultimately, I think. Um, Terrell Bernard probably has the inside track right now. If he's getting the time with the ones early on in practice and in the 11 on 11s, the first padded practice, he was, I believe, the first one out there at middle linebacker, right? Yes, so today he was, yeah. Those, those, that at least bodes well for the Buffalo Bills having one of those draft picks play this yeah. year. I mean, we need to not waste two consecutive third round picks on linebackers that are going to be backups. I think that would be very very much a hit to the trust the process moniker oh yeah and and being able to you know really have faith in what brandon bean's doing especially from a draft standpoint because i think his biggest criticism in in everything he does has been the draft picks now on the flip side and we'll get to this in a little bit i think he absolutely hit a home run with dalton kincaid so oh my god yeah we'll get to the, we can talk about for about an hour how good dalton is probably going to be and it's unreal but if terrell bernard starts right and week one, week two, he starts and he wins this middle linebacker job and he's good and he flashes and he's consistent, still has those lumps as a, a second year player, but he's basically a rookie because he really didn't play that much last year. Like playing wise, he's a rookie experience wise. He's a second year. Obviously, he'll still be classified as uh, not a rookie, but you guys kind of get what I'm saying there. But if he flashes and he's good. You'll forget about no offense, Doran Williams. Like you forget about that. He maybe doesn't fit the position. The Bills did say this offseason that they wanted to go smaller 
and faster at the middle linebacker position. They like Tremaine Edmonds' size and his height. But Brandon Bean said there was a, some things that they wanted to do that they just couldn't do because of how Tremaine Edmonds was built. And that wasn't a knock on Tremaine Edmonds. It's just, it was just the truth. So they did tell us, guys. They did say they wanted to go smaller at the linebacker position. I am still not banging the drum for Tyrell Dodson or Terrell Bernard starting. But they clearly want them to start. They, that was the plan. Lance, like you said, they signed Leonard Floyd in the offseason. They signed Puna Ford, D-end, D-tackle. They brought in Taylor Rapp to play the safety position, an extra safety blanket behind Hyde and Poyer, knock on wood, injury because they're getting up there in age. They did that on the defensive side of the ball. The only position they did not bring in in free agency, like you just said, was the middle linebacker position. They could have. Deion Jones, Bobby Wagner, a couple of the guys that we people were clamoring for Bobby Wagner for just one year. One year Bobby Wagner, and you can figure it out after that. They didn't do that. So this is where the Bills are. And look, Pads just came on. And the interesting thing, on the first day of Pads, Lance, Terrell Bernard was starting at middle linebacker on the first day of Pads. They've done, they're going to keep rotating. And I bet you the next day we see Dotson. I would say Spectre has a long shot to make this. I would say Spectre's third in the race. They've given him a shot. But if, if you go, if Terrell Bernard pops, it's a good pick. It's going to work. I'm not going to sit here and I don't know if you're going to be like, I think he's going to be good or bad. And I'm not going to do that with Dotson because I don't think we've seen them enough in middle linebacker position. You and I, Lance, we'll see them up close on Friday with the, was it the red and white scrimmage or red and blue? I always forget it. Red and red blue. And blue yeah. Red and blue. You and I will both be there at the red and blue. I'm making the trip up. So we'll see them in person and maybe we'll get a better sense of where, where we are at that middle linebacker position. But they did tell us they wanted to go younger and they didn't mm-hmm. bring anybody in. So maybe we should have expected this. Maybe that's on us for not expecting this. But we were expecting Dorian Williams to compete at the middle line. That's what we were told when he was drafted. Yeah, and there was yeah, all this outrage. Yeah. There was a he concerted effort to, um, you know, chill out the fan base basically to say, well, he's going to compete at this middle linebacker and then complete 180 as soon as training camp gets here and say, nope, uh, he's going to back up Matt Mono. Yeah. And, that's all good. Depth is important. We need, um, you know, we know that injuries happen. We know that we need, um, we're only going to be as good as, as our, our backups are going to take us. If, if God forbid mm-hmm. something does happen to any one of our starters, we do need that depth. We do need those players to come in. So if Dorian Williams has the best chance at success being the Matt Milano backup, then I'm all for it. I'm not trying to second guess anything Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott are doing because they know a hell of a lot more about the bills and what the bills need than I do. I have an opinion on it, but they're there. That's their job. They're getting paid heftily to to make these decisions. So I'm going to trust them from a decision-making standpoint. I'm just upset that we we drafted two similar players back-to-back years in the same position in the third round, and it doesn't seem like it was the best use of our assets. Now, it doesn't mean anything for this season, but we have a heck of a lot of assets built up for next year. And so maybe if we can, maybe their thought is get, you know, get by with what we have on this roster right now. And if it doesn't pan out, if when the, when the, you know, when the feet hit the ground here in the season, if these guys just aren't getting the job done, then, you know, address it next off season because they'll have all the, you know, all the assets in the world to do so. Now, if something comes up, before the trade deadline as well. And they figure that one of these positions just isn't working out. 
they also have those assets to go and make a move. So we got to remember that what we've done here is put ourselves, what the bills have done is put themselves in a position now to be able to field the best team that we've probably seen in the Josh Allen um, era. So that's my take on it. I think, I really think that it would have been nice to get a Jack Campbell like stud to play middle linebacker. We don't have it. We're going to move forward with the folks that we do have there. And honestly, like we've seen good things from all three of them at different times. So I'm not discouraged by it by any means. I think that um, we're, we're going to get quality play from whomever ends up starting there. And I really think that the Bills defense is so incredibly stacked at every other position that the middle linebacker isn't going to be the end all be all of mm-hmm. um, of our season. I think that we can get by with just even average um, middle linebacker play because the defensive line is stacked. The defensive secondary is stacked and Matt Milano is a stud. So having that, if, if one uh, out of the 11 guys is a little bit subpar, I think we can make up for that by scheme. And I think McDermott taking over play calling is the perfect year for that. Having his scheme kind of mask anything that we may, you know, maybe having a little bit of a down year at that position, such as the middle linebacker. You see my Wi-Fi do that weird, you see me do that little weird spinny thing with my screen? I don't know what that was. That was weird. Okay. That, I don't know. Don't do it again. Yeah, let's hope not. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but yeah, like I'm not going to lose sleep over the middle linebacker position as much as I think other people are. I'm going to kind of just trust it and see what happens. It's They clearly don't value it as much as I, I think maybe we initially thought maybe a year or a year or two ago. Uh, it's probably the one position group on the defense that we have question marks. I know CB2, we're going to get to that in about a second. We still have question marks, but we have guys that we think can play the CB2 position. Middle linebacker, we still don't know. But with that being said, let's move to the CB2 position because that's probably the second biggest battle. And you can maybe even say it's the biggest battle if you're one of those people on this roster. Obviously, we know Trey White's the number one corner. CB2 has been a battle between Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, who we had on our show, and Christian Benford. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news for people that don't like Dane Jackson. But as we as the days tick by, as we keep going by, they keep putting Dane Jackson out with the ones. Today on Monday, Dane Jackson started with the CB2, but then Kyrie worked in as well. It was mostly Dane, but Kyrie worked as well. Christian Benford really didn't touch the CB1s, and he hasn't recently. He kind of started off hot and then kind of fallen back with, Kyrie and Dane and I don't know man if I had to bet who's starting week one it's probably Dane Jackson at this point and it's it's a little scary because I think he's been reliable he's been okay but he just has he doesn't have that elite tangibles to match up with some of these receivers in the NFL he, he's a fine third corner he's a great fourth corner in my opinion but there's just some times where he just doesn't he's his ability to make plays on the ball is just not there as a CB2 and I think Kyrie probably has that upside, and then there's not unleashing Kyrie. So, Lance, what are, what are your thoughts on right now on the CB2 battle we got going on? Yeah, I think um, Kyrie Elam obviously has all the upside you could ask for. I was producing the Billsology podcast on Saturday night, and Dave made a good point in Akeem about all the uh, physical, you know, s- traits that yeah. Kyrie has. His ability to be most effective in a man-to-man scheme 
he's at a little bit of a disadvantage when you talk about zone scheme because he didn't play as much of it. So there's mm-hmm. folks on this team that have a better better grasp of the zone concepts. But I think that Kyrie Elam gives us the best physical uh, skill on the outside at CB2. And he's a first-round pick. So, again, this is another thing where we've got draft picks out there um, that just aren't like what are we doing here why is our first round pick not our second you know cornerback why is uh you know we have draft picks along the defensive line that just aren't uh with boogie basham he's like the seventh or eighth best defensive lineman we have. boogie basham's not sniffing um, you know and it's like what are we doing with these draft picks again you know we do got we do have um some great picks that are there that we we're gonna really be uh, enamored with in the end, I believe, but like, I just don't know, um, you know, why these guys aren't getting the run here. Give Kyrie Lum the run. Like, I don't care about Dane Jackson's feelings. He's obviously back on a one-year deal that um, he's going to compete on. Like, they brought him in to compete, you know. But yeah, we have a first-round pick at cornerback. Why isn't he getting every rep possible? to make that starting CB2 position out of camp. Now, it's early. As I was telling another uh, podcaster earlier today when they were asking me about things is uh, our guy Buffalo Bobby, the 7-1 Sports, 716 Sports uh, host. You know, he, he was asking about, you know, what I saw at camp <sighs> and things like that. And I was telling him that um, I, I really think that when it comes to evaluating some of these guys, like we just don't have enough. There's no real way to evaluate um, until we get into more game situations. Like we can see what they're doing out there in the practice field. Obviously practice has its merits and and it has its purpose, but until we get um, 11 on 11 with the bills playing somebody other than the bills, I'm not going to read too much into it. I want to see, in the preseason games, how these guys actually perform when you have another team lining up against you trying to score on you. Then you can, you know, for a defense standpoint, then you can understand, you know, really what guys are going to be in the best positions, what guys are shutting other players down from the op- opposing teams. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a better evaluation. Right now, it's all speculation. It's all you know, here's what we saw. This was yeah. good. That was good. This was, it's like, well, and, and before today, especially we didn't have any idea with no because pads. it's just guys really running with each yeah. other. They're not able to really, and for, for corners, it's tough. Like, yeah. Corners, yeah. I guess would be the, the one position without pads that you can kind of, say, but, I, can but he, I've can read, he at least keep up with them. Can he be in the right spot? But those like one v one matchups always favor the, the receiver. Yeah. They absolutely. always favor the receiver. Especially, like, and like, Kyrie's going against Diggs, but like, sorry to cut you up. Like on today with the first day of pads, I I read that Kyrie had a actually a decent day. Like on on the one v ones, he was very physical. Mm-hmm. Him and Diggs were going back and forth. He had a pass breakup. I'm writing. I wrote down in my notes, but Gabe Davis also beat him on another on another play. But I heard Diggs and Elam Elam were going back and forth a lot of jawing back and forth. I think Elam has all the tangibles, all the talent. There's something going on where they just don't fully trust him. That that's what I that's what I think, and that's like I agree with you. Like we're one day in the pads, 
and we're in training camp. So until we see him, I guess, another team in preseason, it's hard to uh, judge it. But I, I think they like that they can trust Dane Jackson. And I'm not saying that's the right idea. I'm just trying to get into their minds of what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are thinking. And I think they trust Dane Jackson more than they do Kair. I think Kair has the better upside. I think Kair could be an absolute stud in this league. Like an absolute lockdown corner. And I am I think at this point, you kind of have to let him go. Not like leave, like leave the team. Like let him do his thing. Get him in the CB2 role because I think he can flourish. Because I think you can have a, an incredible tandem with White and Elam. And if you have, if Dane Jackson's your third corner, nobody's going to mat, nobody's going to care. If he's your fourth corner, nobody's going to care because I think that's a good spot for where Dane Jackson should be in his career, the third, the fourth corner on a contending team. No, there's nothing. I don't think Dane Jackson's bad. I think Dane Jackson gets a lot of crap from Bills fans. I think he gets a ton of crap. I just don't think he has the upside to be consistently enough, good enough against these top tier teams. I think he can be fine in a spot start. If someone gets injured, if someone needs a breather, if Kyrie's struggling, st- stuff like that, right? But I don't, I don't think he should be your everyday starter, every week starter, because I think we've seen where his limits are. Like we've seen, like him ability, his ability not to make plays on the ball was kind of very like you could, you could obviously see that last year, and that's what people were mad. What, where's Kyrie? Why isn't Kyrie? Because we've seen Kyrie make plays on the ball. It's just sometimes I just feel like. There's something in the playbook that's just not clicking with Kyer. So, and the, I think it, right, they right now it. it's more of a plan in preseason and camp to roll these reps out to these folks. But so, I think that everyone wants Kyer to get all the, yeah, the reps I, yeah, in camp, and it's just not really realistic. Like, you have to maybe they understand you know, that, like, they may not want to burn out Kyer, they may want to have. Uh, Dane, someone who's going to be a depth piece in the end, potentially taking a lot of these reps. Um, they, they and you may like want rotation. Yeah, you want to have a rotation. You want to have Christian Benford getting reps. You want to see what Benford and Elam look like together with the second team too. Like you want to see what your eventual um, starting potentially our, yeah. our potential starting cornerback. Uh, duo looks like mm-hmm. in the future without Trey White. I mean, I'm not the guy's got Trey White's got a, a big career out of him still. He's not by it, but he's got a lot more football behind him than he does in front of him, I would project. So yeah. I think that, you know, these got the job of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott to put together a plan that's going to give them as many shots at the Lombardi as possible. And we heard Vaughn Miller talk. I don't know if you watched much of the NFL plus coverage of training camps, but as an NFL Plus subscriber, I was able to see um, yesterday, I believe, they, they mm-hmm. ran that, um, mm-hmm. where Von Miller sat down, and I was tweeting out a couple quotes there. Um, Michael Robinson from NFL Network was able to sit down with Von. Von thinks this is the best team they've had, uh, better than last year. And, oh, yeah, 100%. You know, then they sat down with Josh Allen, and Josh Allen seems very, very confident. And, and he gave out um, a little – a little quote there just saying, you know, they're looking to get the pieces in the right places. They're looking to get mm-hmm. their personnel groupings. They're also looking to get uh, comfortable with the play calls and what concepts they like to run and what suits their style yeah. for, from their personnel. So 
this is all an exploratory period here in camp. That's what it's for. They're going to put guys out there in positions that they may not end up in. I think that maybe isn't the case with a guy like Dorian Williams. I think, you know, they're basically taking him out of the running to especially Stark at the yeah. middle linebacker. He's going to be a, and, a lot of and, special teams this year. Yeah. And it, and it's a little bit frustrating because I think it was billed a little bit differently after the draft, immediately after the draft and during that period where mm-hmm. we, we thought Dorian Williams had every opportunity, you know, he had every opportunity in, in the, in the right track to get through to the I was, starting middle linebacker. I was banging the drum for, you know, I was, we did, mm-hmm. we've done shows for months and I was banging the drum for Dorian Williams, but I think I also want to put out there for people that don't know. It's not like Kyrie hasn't touched first team reps. He touched right. first team reps on Monday, but Lance is like Lance alluded to that. They're rotating these guys. Like they're doing at the middle linebacker position. They're giving everyone a fair chance and they're doing their job. Look, you, I think we should, I obviously we're talking about it now because when you get to a point of this summer and you're in the training camp, you just talk about what you've seen so far, right? Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do when we get to week one, week two, we talk about what just happened in the game and we preview the next game. But so that's what we're doing right now. So at this point, it's kind of a rotation at CB2. I know some people don't love how many reps Dane Jackson's getting. Just going to put out there for Bills fans. I would not panic yet if you're anti Dane Jackson. Just going to put that out there. So yeah, I want, let's move to the offense. And before we get to the tight ends in the receiver room, I want to and I, Lance, I know this is what uh, you saw on Friday. You talked, you told me off air, talked about a little bit off Spencer Brown. We'll get to the guards in a second. But was Spencer Brown something that you noticed on Friday when you were in person at camp? What I noticed from Spencer Brown is he doesn't necessarily have the ability to get a good plant at contact. So when when he's getting into his set, he's got this long strided gallop, like when he's dropping back from his stance to to where he's going to make contact with the defender, mm-hmm. he's getting caught in in like this trot or this gallop to the to where he's going to make contact. And he needs to be more stuck to the ground to be able to initiate that contact back to the defender. Instead of having that defender initiate the contact with him, he's got to be able to deliver a blow and a strike to that defender. And that's what I'm going to be looking for all preseason now is to see I you can't evaluate these guys without pads on, especially the offensive linemen and defensive linemen. But I think that you have a situation with Spencer Brown where He's healthy now. He looks like he's carrying himself off the field and when walking around very confidently, his head's held high. He's very, he he looks healthy, at least. He's not limping. He's not, you know, lugging himself around. He looks like a guy that could be a starting caliber right tackle. Now, when I'm looking at him during the team period and facing pass rushers, I'm not seeing the, the shorter steps because he is such a large guy. He just has a stride about him, and the the thing defenders can do is catch him mid-stride and get him off balance super easily. That's his big knock right now. So I'm going to be looking for preseason reps against live defensemen where we can see him take shorter steps, get into a set, and be able to deliver a strike to the defensive lineman to keep Josh Allen upright. Two things that I noted from people that told me about the first day of practice, our first day of pads, like you said, you get, for O linemen and defensive linemen, no pads is basically them just it's it's nothing because that's you have it just doesn't work. It's like running backs; you can't really evaluate running backs without pads. 
because nope. he's running in space. All these guys can run in space. All these guys usually have grit 40 times. It's it's totally different when you get pads on. So first day of pads was on Monday. And two things that I read or noted about Spencer Brown. First one, it was they did a pitch play to James Cook, and they got Spencer Brown in space to follow or James Cook to follow Spencer Brown. And I heard he absolutely laid an amazing block. I didn't read who it was on, but he was great in space. They kind of pitched it out to oh, I just hit my notes, but he pitched it out to the right side. They got Spencer Brown running and they got Cook behind him. So you can kind of use a Spencer Brown's body. Just got to get in the way of someone. I absolutely love that. As a, that, as like, that's, a, as a conceptual that's, we didn't yeah, see a conceptual last idea. I think you really need to get him moving and get him moving to to strike people. His pass set where he's got a back pedal and then try to plant and deliver a strike to somebody, that's where I need to see. Okay. But in the run game, I'm absolutely in love with the ability for him to move around and go strike somebody and let the running backs go Lance, behind him. Imagine you pitch to James Cook, right, and you get past the D-line. You have a linebacker or a safety coming in the box or a corner on that side, and you got a freaking Spencer Brown who's 6'8", just running at you. That's an awesome person to run behind. That's what and he's not like a straight line runner either. He's a very athletic dude. Obviously, get in the way of someone. Mm -hmm. That's a biggie. He's got to get in the way of someone. So he did that. And then someone also noted that Brown and Morse, uh, Mitch Morse, and then Spencer Brown were both very good in the run game. Spencer Brown was very good in the run game on the day one of Pats. I'm not going to say I didn't watch it. I was in there, but that's what I read that Mitch Morse didn't practice much in the team period, and and the the rep for Ryan Bates. Yeah, I read that they just was kind of like just a precautionary just to get a new look with Ryan Bates at center. You kind of know what Mitch Morse is. You don't want to overdo it because we need Mitch Morse. 100%. Like he's one of those guys that like you like. I bet you in a day or two, Lance, we get a Micah Hyde and Jordan Porter day off. Yep. Trey White might get a day off. You know what I mean? Like you know, those, we're like, gonna circle back to that kind of when we talk about you know the Josh Allen going down on the field in a little bit here. Is that like you know you don't want to put these guys in positions where means, yeah. they could aggravate you know his you know injuries that they've historically been yeah, uh, noted to have and with Mitch Morris I think even though they have the caps on their helmets and things like you don't want him Clean. taking a bunch of unnecessary contact to his head cuz we know how good Mitch Morse is and we know his it's not like he's new he's been he, he's been snapping jot with Josh Allen for multiple years it's second nature to both of them so I'm not worried about that so yeah, Spencer Brown and something that we we can go, we'll get to the tight ends, we'll get to the receivers, and I want to talk about Ken Dorsey because I think he's been doing some very good things. We'll get to the second half of our show more uh, skill position based, a little more fun, a little more what the fans love to see. But right guard Osiris Torrance, this is another key battle on this Bills roster on this fifty three man roster. He's seen a lot of time at right guard. I'm just going to put this right now. Connor McGovern's the starter at left guard. He hasn't moved. Every day you read who's a starting 501, and it's always McGovern at left guard. So they gave him that contract for a reason. We kind of all thought, Lance, uh, that he was going to start at left guard. There were some people that didn't, and those people, uh, you know what? So they're wrong, and it was kind of obvious where Connor McGovern was going to start. But Torrance and Bates have kind of been splitting time, but I feel like what I've read is Osiris Torrance has played way more, and there's just something about Osiris Torrance's build. Like, he's even gotten trimmer since I've read since – he was drafted, but there's something about Osiris Torrance. So, Lance, what, what are your th- thoughts on that right guard battle? Yeah, I'm super excited for the rookie. So, as much as we kind of doubted or or criticized the draft picks, um, 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Of Dorian Williams and Trell Bernard and things. Absolutely love the Torrance pick. Mm -hmm. This guy is an absolute mower of people he's a large man and and people were commenting on his size next to spencer brown who he mentions a six eight monster and osiris torrance just looks makes him look almost small i mean i think he's just a large man that's going to be able to move people he's going to be most effective in the run game i think he we're going to have to see how he handles uh the interior pass rush with guys once the pads come on mm -hmm. and once we actually get some snaps um against other teams the pads are on at training camp now as of today when we're recording this monday um day one of pads but you're not going to have as much information against your own defense as you will have once the preseason starts and you can actually play a game against someone else who will be fighting for their job as well yeah so when you're looking at you know our practices, our defensive line, especially on the interior, is pretty well set. You have Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones are going to be your starters inside. You have Puna Ford and Tim Settle um, and Jordan Phillips with a great rotation. You know, we, we have depth there. I love it. But the starters are the starters. Mm -hmm. Our defensive ends, we don't have, you know, it's going to be Greg Russo and Von Miller if he's healthy which I think he will be, but, and maybe Leonard Floyd or whomever Leonard at defensive end. Again, we have just studs we know who it is. at our we know defensive who it is. line. Like we know that we're going to be mm -hmm. good. There's nobody fighting. Um, there's not people going up against the ones that are fighting for a job. And when we get into the preseason, we get into those actual games. There's everyone on the opposing team is going to be fighting for their jobs. And we're going to be seeing a lot more, intensity a lot more urgency so that's going to be a better kind of a, a measuring stick for these guys yeah and i think it's, it's an interesting battle to watch uh i would expect i still think osiris torrance wins the job and i think every indication from the camp sounds like he might have that leg up at the moment i think they do like what ryan bates can do because he can play the center position he can play both guard positions and if they really needed to he could play the right tackle position and that gives you a lot of versatility. That might hurt them in winning a starting job, but it might help the team as a whole. So, yeah. and, they, and they used on day one of pads, they used Brian Bates about half the time at center. And that could also be they, maybe just in case they needed it because Mitch Morse has concussion issues. Uh, they also probably just want to see maybe future reference down the road. Does Ryan Bates become the future center? 
uh, for the Bills. We don't know. That could be an option uh, that they might look at. So the right guard position is interesting, but I like what they're doing for Cyrus Torrance. I like the amount of reps they're getting, and they started him today on day one of pads at the starting right guard position. So I like that. Uh, and I'm in the Osiris Torrance camp. So let's keep moving down. We got to talk about the, maybe not the elephant in the room, Dalton Kincaid. And look, I know it's camp, and I know it it was without pads. There's something about this kid. There is something about this kid. Wait till you see him live, dude. Just how how? Wait, tell me how he was live. I heard he's just a smooth, fluid exactly runner. Exactly the term I used. Incredible yeah. hands. Like yeah. Sorry to take your words. No, exactly. Yeah, I, he's he's a smooth so runner. You watch, and I know it was, you know, the one play that sticks to my mind, it was against Dean Marlowe, so I'm not saying that, you know, he's beating the pants off Heiner Poyer, but, like, he absolutely just made Dean Marlowe look silly. And mm-hmm. Marlowe is a veteran with lots of snaps under his belt, and Dalton Kincaid is out here just making him look foolish. I think that the way he gets in and out of his breaks, the way that he's able to set his routes up, um, it, he's beyond a, a rookie. And I just was looking at some folks on um, on X or Twitter, I guess. I don't know what what we. Oh, call I did. I X. did say Twitter when I, I started the show. I said, <clears throat> "Listen to us on Twitter and uh, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook." So my bad. All good. So um, we'll have to get used to it. Some people are fighting it. I'm just gonna. Uh, fight a different battle another day i don't really it's still the, it's, i'm gonna put it out there <laughs> it's like whatever it's still the same platform exactly it's still so, exactly the same on you know i think that dalton kincaid is just it was what people were saying is that it's absolutely unfair that teams let dalton kincaid fall to the bills and i think that's absolutely right you mm-hmm. hear nothing but um the terms 12 personnel thrown around now brandon beans out there in press conferences today monday um talking about 12 personnel and how much they're going to run out uh, Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid at the same time. When Mm -hmm. I was looking at, when I was there on Friday, I was looking at personnel groupings. That's what I really am interested in when I go to a camp like that. I want to see, they were basically putting out their Madden, like, you know, video game formations and running those plays, you know, the five wide James Cook split all the way out. You have Kincaid and Knox both on the field at some time. And but it's just it's silly now the the flexibility we have and the personnel groupings that can trot out there. The the goal of this offense, and let's say also that Ken Dorsey looks to have some absolute command of his crew right now beyond what we saw last year. Last year, I feel like it was a lot of hey, Josh Allen, go be great, and we'll get by. And now it's like Ken Dorsey is putting a sense of urgency into these guys. When you watch a practice live and you can kind of get the vibe from a coach, um, I'm very excited to see Ken Dorsey uh, have that command and have that urgency. But he's also, what I was getting at, was the personnel packages he's throwing out there and the personnel we have. I just really think that this offense is is going to be the best it's been um, since Josh Allen came into the league. That's what people have been telling me that have been at camp, and you told me that as well, that this offense is just off the charts talent-wise. I think Don Kincaid, the upside with him, and they've used 12 personnel a ton, a ton in camp so far. And they're not – remember when Ken Dorsey 
was it during OTAs? I think it was just like we don't have a plan for uh, Don Kincaid and then kind of walked that back when training camp started because those fans lost their absolute mind. And I think we told them, calm down. Everyone take a deep breath. They have a plan for Don Kincaid. They're going to use him. He's he's going to start. Are they going to start him? Like, Do you see him starting in the slot a while, Lance, or just running with Knox in that 12 personnel? I think it's going to be a lot of both. I both. think, you know, they're going Just to be using the 12 personnel and they're going to also be getting him, um, he's, he's you know, be wherever scared. he can, wherever they can get the mismatch with him, I think it's going to be what they do. I think it's really going to be impressive and, and maybe take people off guard. What I saw out of training camp was a lot of, a lot of window dressing, a lot more than we saw last year, a lot mm-hmm. more motions. And that's what I want to see. These guys are absolutely going to get in the right positions to get the matchup where they can succeed. And I think that Kincaid is such almost like a unicorn in this office in a way, offense, because like you have just the ability to stack him with Dawson Knox. If you want to flex Kincaid and then Knox is on the line, you have the ability to... I mean, you could go as far as running almost like a three wide receiver with two backs in the backfield, but one of those guys being Kincaid. There's so many things you can do with Dalton Kincaid. The way he appears so far is that he is just completely beyond what a rookie, uh, what you would expect from a rookie, I would say. So just, I'm impressed. You know, so far, so good. It's been more than what. I anticipated, and I'm glad. I'm glad about that. I think that it's definitely, um, like I say, with Kincaid and Torrance being two really good draft picks, it definitely gives the leeway to maybe some of these other kind of draft picks that you don't really see um, happening or or coming to fruition right now. These two are absolute studs. Kincaid, I think, is going to be, um, you know, a top ten, top eight tight end in fantasy. I think he's going to just break a lot of different molds. Um, He's going to be, if you, you know, if he continues to get utilized and continues to get some focus, he's absolutely got the rapport with Josh Allen early and often. He he has a chance to win uh, offensive rookie of the year. I think he's a hundred percent in that category. Well, you obviously have like the B John Robinsons of the world. Who's going to get a ton of work in Atlanta. So that might just, kind of take it over Kincaid, but if he finished second or third, uh, I don't think anybody would be uh, too mad about that. But every day in my notes, I'm writing just different things about how well Don Kincaid has looked like athletic, fluid. His hands are incredible. He's just everywhere over the middle of the field. Like Lance, you just said, you can use him in so many different positions. They just want to get him on the field. He's one of those guys that you have to have on the field. And him and Knox working together with Diggs and Davis – you have Shakir, you have Sherfield, you have Hardy, you have you have the quarterback, obviously. Like you just have the talent around Josh Allen is unreal. The amount of different weapons he can use and the amount of different running backs he can use. I there's something about Don Kincaid. He when you hear him talk, he acts like a professional. He doesn't act like he's just a rookie. He says all the right things. He does all the right things. Dawson Knox has raved about him. And guys, it's tough. It might have been a little bit tough for Dawson Knox. Like I, he didn't admit it, but the guy was the guy plays tight end. He was drafted in the first round. So I'm not saying I think 
Dawson Knox kind of knew what the plan was. They're going to use them both, but it's still a little bit of a gut punch that you draft a guy in the first round that plays your position. It's never easy. And they're going to use both of them. Like I think you can put him in slot. You can put him with the two tight end look. You're going to have to get him on the field because his pass catching ability is unreal. And I think he probably still needs to work a little bit on the blocking, but that was kind of his knock coming out of college. And the, one of the biggest draft analysts that was on the on the Don Kincaid train when he was drafted was Daniel Jeremiah had him as a top ten prospect. Basically said the league's gonna the league's gonna what he said the league's gonna suffer. I'm gonna paraphrase this, but he basically said the league's gonna suffer because they let Don Kincaid drop the Josh Allen and the Bills in the 20s in mm-hmm. the first round. I think suffer wasn't the right word, but you kind of get what I'm saying. Uh, well, look, we have Dawson Knox for this year and next, and then we have a potential out for the 2025 season. Does he, so, does he have a potential out? So I think that we really have to look at, when I'm looking at spot track here, um, is that he's here, uh, his age 27 season here. Next year, he'll be age 28 season for Knox, and then they have a potential out. Um, now there is some dead cap attached to that, so maybe, uh, I don't know they how probably, lucky they'll be, but it's 7.8 million dead cap. Uh, the year after is not too bad. Right. The year after is 3.9 and then in 2020. So they have, even if he stays and plays his full contract out, um, you know, I think they have two really good offensive weapons more so than anything. Um, I know they play the same position, but we're, everyone's banging the table for DeAndre Hopkins and we have really good wide receivers still. So I don't think that's a problem. I think that even though they play the same position, um, you know, you can never have too much talent on offense, especially for playmakers. So I think that having Kincaid, having Knox uh, for at least the next two or three years is going to be um, pretty unfair to the rest of the league. And I think it's maybe, you know, these guys were asking, you know, how do the NFL plus guys yesterday were asking, how do you get over the hump? How do you get over? It's like, this oh. might be, we have such versatility now with our roster and especially with, the tight ends having two athletic guys who can go out and catch the the passes, but then also, and look, Dawson Knox is an excellent pass catcher as well. Like, and he can, he, yeah, he's had a good camp too. He's just doing he's his thing. He's a decent block, but he's a decent blocker as well. So we have to see what Kincaid's going to be able to do at blocking. But if you look at Dawson Knox, like, you know, last year, what sticks in my mind, Allen throws a laser to him and he just sticks his hand out and catches the ball for a touchdown. Right. He's an absolute machine in the red zone as Dawson Knox. So and I know everyone was looking at like, oh, we need a guy who we can, you know, throw it up and, and go get it. And mm-hmm. I think Knox can be that kind of guy. I think he's going to be really good in the red zone. I think that um, Diggs has had a lot of success so far. And I know it's training camp in the red zone. And then Kincaid as well having success. So I think that you're definitely going to have a lot of options and you're never going to have too many options. So if you, are in the red zone though, and you're lining up a Diggs, Kincaid, Knox, Davis offense out there with Cook in the backfield and Allen. I don't like, know. What are that. you gonna what are you gonna key on? Because oh. Allen can run, Cook can run, Cook can go catch passes, Damian Harris can pound you even. So we have another avenue there. And then you have four absolute unstoppable forces to catch passes if we throw the ball. So I mean, I just there's a lot of um, excitement, I think, for for Dalton Kincaid coming in here and being able to be effective early on. We talked about that, Lance, as soon as we drafted Kincaid, like the matchups he can do, he can bring to the offense against the defense, how well he can match up. 
in the red zone because the Bills struggled in the red zone last year. Years past, it hasn't been an issue. Last year, it kind of showed up a little. And another player I want to talk about on the receiving core that's had a very good camp, that's probably needed a good camp, and that maybe the naysayers are being a little quiet right now, that's Gabe Davis. A healthy Gabe Davis has shown out this so far in about a week of camp, and he just looks like a different player. He mentioned on his opening press conference when he uh, met with the media in the beginning of training camp that the injury the injury was suffered. I'm going to go back to – I have some of my notes about Gabe Davis's press. I wrote it down. This was July 27th. Uh, he said the ankle was a, is 100%. He said the worst ankle injury he's ever had in his career. He said he clearly lost a step throughout the year last year. He admitted to it. How many players admit to losing a step in the season? That doesn't like you don't really see that. Yeah. Uh, he said he feels great right now. He said expectations are high. Uh, he said ignore the noise. Um, and about that, yeah, the biggest thing I'll go back to is that he lost a step with the ankle injury. The ankle injury was a huge factor and credit him playing through it. But you could see it kind of hampered his ability last year. Ken Dorsey mentioned it. Stefan Diggs mentioned it. Josh Allen mentioned it. Everyone's mentioned the injury. Brandon Bean has mentioned it. I think Sean McDermott probably did once or twice. So I do think that Gabe Davis's ability to stay healthy, ability to stay on the field without having that dinged up ankle, he I think he will be closer to that Kansas City Chiefs receiver game we saw than what he was last year. Yeah, the one thing I think that caught my eye is like I think Isaiah Hodgins had like a fracture in his foot or something and still produced highly in the playoff game for the Giants. Um, or maybe it was like one of the last mm-hmm. regular season games. I uh, I don't pay too much attention to the Giants. I just happened to read this and, and I'll go back and find it another time. But, you know, you got to be able to play through injuries. And if, and if other guys are out there playing with fractures and able to produce – then I don't think the injury is really an excuse for Gabe Davis. And I think that's the big thing that people are saying is like, we get it. You were banged up, but there's plenty of people out there playing banged up and producing. So you need to as well. And one of the big things I think people were saying is, well, your ankle doesn't have anything to do with catching the ball. Um, you know, hang out of the ball. Now, of course, that's all a mental game. And I completely understand how, you know, being in pain, and having to step on the ankle while catching a ball um, is going to be difficult while taking a hit. One of the things with Gabe Davis that uh, I heard them talking about yesterday, and it might be on NFL Network, I'm not sure where I heard it exactly, but you know he's having a lot of contested catches. He's asked to go and get a lot of deep routes and deep balls thrown to him. And so he's not really getting routes where he's on the run and in space and he wants to do he says he can do those things but he's not necessarily getting all those routes and getting those concepts drawn up for him and what i really stuck out to me with davis in this camp is stefan diggs comments on on davis and he said if i wasn't here gabe davis would absolutely be wide receiver one and so to have that vote of confidence from stefan diggs i think that that's really exciting for me to, to see how this offense is going to progress this year with Dixon Davis being one, two punch, and then also having our tight end room. And we haven't even talked about slot. So I think if you're good, let's move into the slot position. Yeah. And from what you've told me, you think, and the folks that you, um, you know, trust yeah. and, and read yeah. about are telling you that, that Shakir may be, Khalil Shakir may be the guy that's going to, get the first crack at kind of the starting slot receiver. 
Yeah, what I'm hearing is I think they'll use Kincaid in the slot. Like we said, they'll use Kincaid. Kincaid will be on the field. This is not an okay, anti-Kincaid being on the field 12 personnel. He'll be in the slot a little. But if you're looking at just who the true slot is outside of Kincaid, people are leaning towards Khalil Shakir. They think Deontay Hardy with the injury to Naeem Hines probably has to pick up the slack in the punt returning and kick returning game. So that t- And Steve Tasker has mentioned in the past that if you do kick return, you do punt returns, it takes away – what you can do on offense. So I expect Deontay Hardy to go into the, I'm not saying he's going to be as like, not as productive as Isaiah McKenzie was last year, but to the Isaiah McKenzie role, that gadget player, because they said Hardy's speed is unreal, but he's five, six, five, seven. Like he's a small guy. So they're going to use him in different ways, but he's not going to be that true receiver. He's not going to have like godly numbers. So he'll be that kind of gadget guy. He'll play the kick return, punt return, potentially. And then and when str- they go to these four and five wide sets, you're absolutely going to be able to get guys like yeah. Hardy in the slot. Yeah. And you have basically two slots out there. Yeah, I'm you talking about see yeah. Shakir and Hardy. And, you know, my biggest thing with, with Hardy is, like, I'm excited not with the gadget plays, but with just concepts like crossing routes. A guy like that on a crossing face. route with all the other people getting attention that you have on that offense is just dangerous. If you're going to run James Cook, so if, if Hardy's lined up in the slot on the right and then you run James Cook on a wheel route out to the right and you have Hardy coming across the field to the left, now the defense on that side of the ball has to has a very big challenge to try to pick up Cook and Hardy at the same time mm-hmm. and follow those guys across or wherever they're running their routes. It's just not going to be easy for defenses to cover that. And my biggest thing, I think they'll use Deontay Hardy against man a lot if they get a man look. Because I think, like you said, the crossing routes, be able to get in space. Because he'll beat anybody buddy one-on-one. Pre-snap motion with Hardy. Yes, pre-snap motion. And I want to get to that in a second before we end with Ken Dorsey. Appreciate everyone that's watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. And if you're on the podcast version, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, we appreciate it. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., Buffalo Blitz throughout the rest of the summer and the regular season. But yeah, I think Sherfield's going to be that third receiver on the outside. And then they can obviously move him into the slot. The good thing about this Bills roster is a lot of interchangeable uh, receivers. There's not like one guy has to be on the outside. Like Sherfield, I think main position will be on the outside behind Davis and Diggs. But he can also move but Shakir it. can play outside as well. Yes, Shakir can do that as well. So there's a lot of versatility. But I think at this point, Shakir's probably the front runner to be that starting slot receiver. And but I would expect everyone to get a ton of reps. So I think Shakir is going to be that starting slot receiver. What, what do you think of that? If that would be the option heading, yeah, there's like heading into the regular season. The, vo- the void from last year is like 130 targets that we no longer have on our offense from last year. If I'm if my math's correct or if what I remember is correct, there's mm-hmm. like there's a lot of targets to yeah. be distributed now. Um, and I also expect an uptick in targets for Gabe Davis. I think yes. Stefan Diggs is going to be your, um, you know, lion's share of the targets as he should be. Um, and I hope he gets even more than he did last year and he had ungodly uh, targets and, and numbers. So I think, you know, you have Davis had, if I remember correctly, something in the mid 50s or so for targets mm-hmm. last year. And so I think that, you know, he ramps up a ton and I think that, you know, Diggs stays steady. And then you have your, your cook, your Kincaid and Knox and those folks, you also Knox, right. He was a little bit off last year dealing with some personal stuff. 
um, as his brother passed away going into the um, season. So I think, you know, mental, I think the mental side of the game absolutely plays a part. And I think now we're kind of set up here. And I'm just pulling up the numbers quick because I want to know. Gabe Davis, I'm sorry, had 93. He had 48 catches, but 93 targets. So I, and Stephon Diggs had 154 targets. So I think he maybe eclipses the 160 target mark. Um, Gabe Davis eclipses the 100 target mark. But now you have McKenzie's not here. He had 65. Singletary had 52. Um, so that filled that board five filled Kumaro, by- Crowder, and some other guys had some. So there's there's still even just McKenzie and Singletary's numbers gives us 107, 117 targets that we have to replace. That's a lot of targets. And I think that, you know, you can give those to a Knox, a Shakir, and a Kincaid and distribute those. I think they're and sure they're gonna don't forget sure. I think sure and sure. I think that's gonna be, you know, you got you got guys that got targets last year. Like your Hines, John Brown, Hodgins, Zach Moss, Cole Beasley. No, those are twenty something, thirty something targets there too. So you're still at, like I mentioned, you're still at 130, 140 targets that are available. You have Quentin Morris and Reggie Gilliam who got some over ten targets each. Who knows? They're throwing they're throwing to Reggie Gilliam a ton in in pre in a training camp here, mm-hmm. and I think that's a lot to misdirect people from the play they're actually running and the route concepts they're actually running i think they want the guys to run the routes to get them on film so they can um, break them down Mm -hmm. and then they throw the ball to gilliam to kind of throw people off watching the actual routes that the receivers are running because they just were hitting gilliam on these like corner routes out of the backfield and corner routes as he flexed out at tight end i think was um Cool. He caught him. I think, you know, absolutely another weapon. He can be, um, you know, a guy to step in at tight end three if he needs to. Um, he can be a guy to stack up uh, on the goal line, let's say, with Damien Harris in, a, in an eye formation. So um, lots of lots of flexibility on this offense. And I think we have the targets available for all the weapons that, that we are going to uh, bring in this year and unfold on the field. One thing I want to mention before we get out of here, the stock on Ken Dorsey is up, in my opinion. I think 100%. the 12 personnel personnel looks he's done with Kincaid and Knox, that's a bonus. I think the ability with his with the receivers, which he can move in and out with Sherfield, with Hardy and Shakir, he's done very well. He's done a lot of pre-snap motion, which we did not see last year. We did not see last year a lot of pre-snap motion. Screen passes. We have seen screen passes to James Cook so far and others. We've also today on the first day of practices, our first day of pads, excuse me, Gabe Davis had a couple receptions, short receptions, not the 25 yard catches, the short receptions. So they're doing a lot of different things with the offense. And I think Ken Dorsey kind of seems like he's maybe getting a little more confidence in his ability to play his play calling he has a lot more flexibility with the personnel which he can use which will help him screen passes we love the pre-snap motion we love i think gabe davis catching some short passes just maybe opens up the arsenal for other receivers and gabe davis and what he's done with kincaid and knox i think it's been a very strong camp so far for ken ken dorsey absolutely like i said earlier i think his command the way he's um urging these guys to have a sense of urgency 
on the practice field. I think just his overall demeanor. Mm-hmm. And the, listen, McDermott was with the defense. Ken Dorsey yeah, was running the offense. Yeah. Uh, when I was there, McDermott was over with the defense, and Ken Dorsey was running the offensive side, uh, practice uh, when they were doing position drills and things like that. And he absolutely looked like he's in command, and he is in a whole nother world of confidence and what looks like to him being very comfortable with what they're going to roll out this year. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here, Lance? No, I think that that we touched on a lot of the major parts. Again, I'm going to be looking, as you guys know, I'm going to look at the offensive and defensive lines with pads coming on. I'll watch more. Now, the one thing is we didn't have a lot of video with the pads coming on. We had much more video without the pads the first few days of practice, and now the videos have um, calmed down kind of the the new shiny shiny toy kind of stuff is – is is gone away so there's less video coming out and maybe that's by request or by design from the bills i know the nfl network mentioned yesterday that there are agreements and and with the media that you know they need to keep certain things out of the um hands of the team you know media and things like that so i think that um without seeing the video i'm gonna be interested to go to the blue and red scrimmage like we mentioned so if y'all are gonna be there um let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Facebook. But we'll um, both be there. Catch up with us. We'd we'll love to say hi to you. Um, we're going to have probably five to to eight built-in Buffalo folks at the Blue and Red scrimmage alone. Um, Izzy's coming up. I'm super excited to get to meet him in person. Yeah, we never met um, Izzy. So just a, a, a really good time coming up. And I, I want to meet each and every one of you out there in Bill's Mafia, too. I know I've been to a lot of tailgates. Um, we're going to try to get some tailgates that are built in Buffalo sponsored coming up this year. So stay tuned for that news. And just we're, we've got a lot of things in the, um, in the hopper, so to speak, to, to roll out this year um, during the Bills season. And, and it's all around kind of interacting with Bills Mafia and kind of giving back to you guys. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, you know, had a heck of a time in the show, brother. Um, yeah. So the only thing I have left to say is go Bills. Yeah, and we're sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code BLITZ. uh, You deposit a minimum of $10, maximum of $100. They'll match your deposit anywhere in between that. Use promo code BLITZ on Underdog Fantasy. It's also on our social medias when we promo the show, before the show, after the show, all that stuff. So if you don't find it, just click the link. It's also in our bios. Just do all that fun stuff. So we're always sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. We'll be back next Tuesday. Another recap. We'll recap the blue and red scrimmage Lance and I will both be there. Like you said, so we'll kind of give you guys our point of view from being there. And then, yeah, we'll preview the preseason game coming up the next weekend. And we'll keep going with the camp. If you guys didn't miss this episode, you can always rewatch it on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to the bill and Buffalo YouTube, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And if you did miss this episode, you can always re you can always listen on Wednesday morning, Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys also, next Odyssey. Shout out to the Odyssey platform. Oh, and Odyssey as well. And we'll see everyone next Tuesday. Go Bills. Go Bills.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.